Holy One, you are a guide for our comings and our goings, a light upon our path. Inspire us anew to hear your word, that we might ever more faithfully know you, ever more faithfully serve you, ever more faithfully love you. Amen. It should not have been possible, this mystery, this miracle. It should not have been possible for three figures from across biblical history to appear together in one place. And yet, there they were, Jesus and Moses and Elijah, side by side. Jesus shining brilliantly bright, a voice from heaven calling him beloved. It should not be possible for members of nearly 60 faith institutions from around greater Boston to come together across differences in race, class, and religion. It should not be possible for us to be in the same room, let alone to work together for meaningful change in our state. And yet, for 25 years, Greater Boston Interfaith Organization has been drawing people together when the world tries to keep us apart so that we may hear one another's stories and take action together. There's a reason that we call them mountaintop experiences, those moments when we feel with certainty God's presence or reach a deep clarity about our purpose, or realize how profound creation is. The physical journey up a mountain, breathing hard, looking only at the trail beneath our feet, gives way to a grand vista that lets us take in the big picture. This mirrors a spiritual journey, where we are focused on the situation right in front of us the difficult relationship, the feelings of anxiety and overwhelm, the sense of being adrift. And then, out of nowhere, as if we had not been climbing all along, we reach a point of clarity where we can take in the big picture. Moses struggles up the metaphorical mountain. After receiving God's covenant in the form of the commandments, the Israelites quickly forget these laws of love. In his frustration, Moses breaks the stone tablets. He rips up the contract. Now he is back on Mount Sinai pleading with God, I can't go back there. I can't keep leading your people unless you go with me. So God's presence comes over Moses. When he comes down from the mountain, Moses brings a restored covenant, a promise from God to work wonders. And Moses himself is transformed. The skin of his face was radiant from speaking with God. Elijah struggles up the metaphorical mountain after reminding the Israelites to worship God alone and ending a years-long drought, Elijah flees for his life, escaping persecution from the Queen of Israel. 
convinced that there's nowhere left to turn, that he is alone in his dedication to God's covenant, Elijah begs God to let him die. Instead, on the literal mountaintop, God's presence comes to Elijah, not in a mighty wind, an earthquake, or fire, but in a soft murmuring sound. In the quiet, God tells Elijah to find Elisha, to succeed him as a prophet. By invoking Moses and Elijah during Jesus's mountaintop experience, the Gospel of Mark is setting us up to see a pattern. We should expect our prophet hero to slog up the mountain alone, frustrated that his people are working against him. Like in the mountaintop stories of Moses and Elijah, this story is preceded by some hard truths about the cost of discipleship. But there is a key difference between Moses and Elijah's encounters with God and the mount on the mountaintop and Jesus's. For Jesus is not alone. As Reverend June reminded us last week, God has put a spark of divinity in each of us, and love demands that we see each person as human and God's beloved. Through Greater Boston Interfaith Organization's Housing Justice Campaign, I have not yet seen anyone's face literally become dazzlingly bright, but I have seen people transfigured by the power of working together for the world we deserve. When Susan and Paul shared that their dedication to public service has often kept them living paycheck to paycheck and forced them to refinance their home multiple times in order to keep up with the payments, they told us that they had been slogging up the mountain alone, made to believe that there was nothing they could do to change their circumstances. But because of their faith, Paul and Susan believe it is possible for people to share from their abundance so that all have enough. When they shared their story, their sparks of divinity and deep humanity shone through, and all who heard them were transformed. When Jamal shared about returning home from incarceration and struggling to access essential services, food, housing, employment, health care, he told us that he had been slogging up the mountain alone, made to believe that this was all a person with a prison record could hope for. But because of Jamal's faith, he knows that God is calling him to a greater purpose of helping other returning citizens access the services they are entitled to and speak truth to power about how the system is broken. Because when, when, when Jamal shared his story, his spark of divinity and deep humanity shone through, and all who heard him were transformed. When Juliet described a broken refrigerator that made her sick, she told us that she had been slogging up the mountain alone, made to believe that because she is a public housing tenant, that she did not deserve better. But because of Juliet's faith community and being surrounded by a thousand others motivated by their faith, 
She felt empowered to speak up and ask for what she is worthy of. When Juliet and so many others shared their stories, their sparks of divinity and deep humanity shone through, and all who heard them were transformed. The difference between Jesus's transfiguration and what happened with Moses and Elijah, it's not that it's Jesus. It's that there were people there to bear witness to it. Jesus is transfigured into a dazzling brilliance, and his spark of divinity and his deep humanity are readily apparent to Peter, James, and John, and it inspires them to take action. When Peter says, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings. It is as if he is saying, Jesus, I get it now. I've glimpsed what heaven looks like, and I understand that we are meant to build a world where the poor are treated with justice and love is our guide. I'll get started right away. When we hear stories like the ones Paul, Susan, Jamal, and Juliet shared, we too glimpse what heaven looks like. We can imagine a place where poverty or past convictions do not sentence a person to a lifetime of unsafe living conditions. We can imagine a place where those with more than enough are not threatened by sharing from their abundance. We can imagine a place where people do not struggle alone because they are buoyed up by all those who surround them. There is an organizing principle that says more people equals more power. And GBIO has seen that bear fruit. When 1,400 people gathered in June to make specific requests of the Healy administration, our people power motivated the governor to introduce the specific legislation we were asking for. But even so, as people who organize because of our faith, we know that the equation is not as simple as A equals B. There's a mystery to it, some kind of miracle that goes beyond just the numbers, because it should not be possible for hundreds of people, weighed down as we are by the burdens of everyday life, to gather on weekday evenings to bear witness to stories of housing injustice and proclaim that another way is possible. And yet, and yet over the past four months, GBIO leaders, including members of this congregation, have put together 14 in-district meetings, drawing a combined 1,000 people, meeting with 45 of our legislators to help us build the world we imagine. Yes, we are doing our part, but surely God is doing God's part too. We are still slogging up the mountain toward housing justice, but we are not doing it alone. We are doing your, our part, and your bulletin today is a commitment card, it looks like this, for you to let us know that you will be part of the 1,000 by joining an in-district meeting on Thursday the 15th, just down the road at First Church Boston UU, and that you'll be part of the 1,800 on Sunday, March 3rd, you can even take a special Old South bus after annual meeting. And God is doing God's part too. 
ushering in this mystery, this miracle that should not be possible. God is transfiguring us, helping us to unveil that spark of divinity and humanity deep within each of us as we share how housing affects us and those we love, helping us to bear witness to one another's stories. If you suspect that God is doing their part through you, nudging you to speak or to listen, I hope you will join our uh, Old South GBIO co-liaisons, Harrison Reeder and Christina Gregg at coffee hour just after worship, or join Phil Stern for a house meeting next Sunday, or simply talk with and listen to your pewmates, your coworkers, your neighbors. It should not have been possible. Jesus and Moses and Elijah side by side. It should not have been possible, Jesus shining brilliantly bright, his spark of human divinity and humanity apparent for all to see. And yet, there they were. It should not be possible, 1,800 people from across greater Boston working together across lines of race, class, and religion to work for a commonwealth where everyone has affordable, safe, and dignified places to live. And yet here we are. God is transfiguring us, unveiling that spark of divinity and humanity deep within each of us as we share how housing affects us and those we love, helping us to bear witness to each other's stories. And slowly but surely, a miracle is occurring we are transforming policies that will have real material effects on our lives. Slowly but surely, a miracle is occurring. We are transfiguring ourselves, our sparks of divinity and deep humanity becoming